Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor for the Union Tribune. This doesn't happen very often where I'm at home and my boss is on the road, but Ryan is uh, with our rather sizable crew in Houston covering the Aztecs. Uh, we'll get this over for you guys because I know you know you got a lot of pre-gaming to do for the Aztecs and Huskies tonight for the national championship. Not that this is a Padres podcast. When I spend too much time on it, we got to get to Ryan Weather starting tonight, the weekend that just was, the two games against the Diamondbacks coming up. But holy smokes, I mean, like, it, I can't even get my arms around uh, around this, that the San Diego State basketball team, that a San Diego State team is playing for the national championship. That's really, really something. Kevin, I'm here, and it's surreal. It's every once in a while you go, wait, 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 the Aztecs? The, the, uh, the Aztecs are playing for a national championship. Well, you know what? They've been playing great throughout March. Uh, you know, they managed to gut one out Malcolm Butler's game-winning shot on Saturday, lifts them into Monday night's national championship game. Um, and Kevin, you're in San Diego. Uh, I know the Padres clubhouse has Aztec fever. Does the rest of San Diego have Aztec fever? It certainly seems like it. You walk around the uh, the gas lamp, uh, it, a lot of San Diego State gear. Even yesterday, obviously there was on Saturday, they had the kind of the watch party. Yeah, it, it really, really does see it. Now, our Kirk Kinney is out at campus now. I keep seeing his tweets with the, the yeah. videos, talking to alumni, students, uh, other student athletes. Uh, I hope people can savor this. This is, uh, this, is, this is really something. Yes, yes, yes. What a time, by the way, what a time to be alive and following sports in San Diego. San Diego State Aztecs in the Final Four playing for national championship. Uh, the Padres split their first series with the Rockies. All looked lost, Kevin, as of Friday night. Lost the first two games, rallied to score a couple. Uh, quick observations off of uh, the first four games. Yeah, I mean, there's some disappointing things. Uh, Blake Snell was uh, his usual self. I don't think we get too upset over that. Uh, there will be incredible performances by Blake Snell. That was a uh, one of those brilliant four and two-thirds innings uh, performances by Blake Snell uh, is what it is. My big takeaway from this weekend is what the other starting pitchers did. It did not look good. Now, Bill Chris Matt had to come in. He gives up a big homer. Uh, Domingo Tapia, who's on the roster because Robert Suarez isn't, did not look good in his Padres debut. And you're going, where are they going to get the innings? Because Nick Martinez, uh, Michael Walker, Seth Lugo are coming up. Martinez goes seven, Walker goes six. They both gave up four runs, but they pitched pretty well. They had some rough moments, uh, and the defense let down Martinez. Uh, and yesterday, Seth Lugo, seven innings, gives up one run on a solo home run in the seventh. The guy was as efficient as you could be. And let's be honest, that is your four, five, six starters. It was one start, but to me, that's the big takeaway. Um, and Xander Bogarts, it's not very often that a – star player comes to San Diego and right away shows you why he got the money, why people were excited. Look, Juan Soto and Manny Machado are going to pick it up. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to come back. Xander Bogarts isn't going to hit a home run every day, but that was about as good a start as you could have. Those are my takeaways, Ryan. Don't know how much you got to watch, understandably. Uh, you have other things going on. Oh, no, yeah. I, I got to watch Thursday night and Friday night, or Thursday night in Houston. Yeah, and Friday night and uh, – yeah, my impressions were not so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, the games you watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I go to the stadium, you know, two days in a row, and uh, the Padres uh, start killing it. I was really impressed with Seth Lugo. You wrote in uh, today's UT that, that Seth Lugo was a, a strike-throwing machine. 
Um, and it was just kind of grab it and throw it. I was able to get ahead of guys, was able to really sort of establish control of every at that. Uh, yeah. Was this the stuff, Lugo, you were expecting? To me, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by those numbers. No, I mean, you don't know what to expect. That's nothing against him. It's just the guy's been a reliever for three of the last four years, for two years in a row. Uh, made 108 appearances out of the bullpen since his last start. Hadn't gone. What is it? I think it, that was his 39th start, like his fifth one where he went uh, into the seventh even. Maybe it was his sixth. Um, but that was that was fantastic. He is such a uh, calm guy, such a, yeah, this is what I do guy. That Hey, you know what? Uh, again. You aren't looking for seven innings all the time out of your number six starter, or let's say he's their number four or five. I mean, it's got to shake. I'm talking about the fact that you've got when Joe Musgrove comes back, when you Darvish begins the rotation, basically the rotation begins anew tomorrow when you Darvish makes uh, his season debut. Right. And then it, it begins again when Joe Musgrove comes back, probably on the 16th of, of April at home against the Brewers. Uh, and then you've got Blake Snell, three Martinez, four walk of five and, and Lugo six. We'll see what happens with Ryan Weathers. Um, that's, that was a very, very impressive. And I think that pretty much everybody was, uh, Pleasantly surprised. Let's talk about Ryan Weathers. He, he's in line to start Monday night's tonight's game. Uh, somebody who made one start in the big leagues last year was at a time very much part of the Padres' long-term plans in the rotation. Uh, what is, what's he doing differently now? How is he able to earn this rotation spot? And what's a reasonable expectation for tonight? Generally throwing strikes, um, you know, uh, talked about it before where I'm not going to get too much into the uh, breakdown only uh, mainly because I only understand so much of it. Uh, but uh, he has, has changed his delivery. He has become more compact and straightforward. Uh, and these mechanical d- uh, changes, lo and behold, have helped his uh, command. And there was a long year last year of kind of, you know, understanding, I, I got to change all this. I've talked about it before. It wasn't necessarily Mackenzie Gore-esque, but there was a, a remake of Ryan Weathers and kind of became the forgotten man and came in and had a real nice spring. Look, is he in the rotation if uh, Joe Musgrove is healthy? Yeah, no, he's not. Is he on the team? Eh, maybe not. Brent Honeywell probably is, but uh, maybe he is. Maybe Ryan Weathers is another lefty. But, but the point is, here he is. I noticed... Over the last couple weeks, and so I talked to him yesterday about it, and it only affirmed more for me. The kid has really grown up. He's 23, for goodness sake. He made his debut at 21. His dad pitched in the majors. Ryan Weathers, in a lot of ways, has been an old soul. He knows the right things to say, the right things to think, and he is, um, he calls it a bulldog. He's that guy, right? Like, And that's how he got by in 21, because he wasn't entirely healthy, and he really wasn't that good. But when he gets a man on, he becomes a new guy, right? But what was a, a brash and kind of arrogant 21-year-old is now like a – it's coming off more as like a confident 23-year-old, right? And and I just love stories like this because, you know, what I hope is you hope that like he is in 10 years, he's Michael Walker. Michael Walker's locker's next to him, right? And 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 that Brian Weathers in 10 years is the guy telling the youngster about how he struggled, right? Uh, Brian Weathers had a 2.72 ERA through his first 62 and two-thirds innings in 2021. 
a lot of that was smoke and mirrors. He got incredible defense. Um, he got away with a lot of stuff. He walked a lot of people. Uh, and then it crashed down and it was like 31 runs in his next 20 innings. And, right. and then, you know, uh, finishes the season and it, it's not in the rotation anymore. And now he's back. And I just, I find that to be, um, regardless of what happens tonight, yes, he's pitching for the 2023 Padres and it's all about results. But regardless of what happens tonight, I find this very impressive that Ryan's back. If I can tie this into the San Diego State Aztecs for a minute. Well, sure. one, of, one of their pluses during this tournament run is that they have guys who are 23, 24 years old, right? In their starting five. There's a huge difference not from a physical standpoint, from a maturity standpoint. There's a huge difference between 18, 19, 20, and 23, 24. And I think maybe that's what we're seeing out of Brian Weathers is that he has matured sort of mentally and emotionally and might be in a better place to really give it his best shot. It's a great point. We pump up people and we build them down instantly. And they are what they are. No. Right. Maybe they are what they are, but they're not what they might be one day. And and that's that's the story of, of Ryan Weathers. That's the story of a lot of players. So I don't know what's going to happen. Ryan Weathers could make two starts and be back in AAA. He could make two starts and be in the bullpen. We haven't even seen Brett Honeywell pitch yet. Uh, but but the, the fact is Ryan Weathers made an opening day roster for the second time in his career after being exiled last year. And and that's absolutely a, a, a big part of it is what you just said. Kevin, you and I saw Juan Soto in Peoria. And he was battling a hamstring or a, a calf injury. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Calf injury in Peoria. Was hitting everything in sight. Once the World Baseball Classic hit everything in sight. You predicted that he would be this year's National League MVP. I predicted that he would be this year's National League MVP. He's hitting... What zero seven one? Yep, something like that. One for four uh, through four games. Please remind me, Kevin, that it's a long season. <laughs> yeah, he's hitting the ball hard for the yeah. most part. I don't know that his pitch selection is great. Uh, this is the worst start to his career. Four games. Um, oh and, no! Right. You know, uh, it, yeah, yeah. Look, based on what happened last year and now how he started this year, I absolutely understand that. You know, we're all like. This is Juan Soto? Like, wait, I thought we were getting one of the greatest players ever. That, yeah, what else can we say? It's uh, it's four games, and 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 we'll see. <laughs> yeah. At what point to start a season do you think about giving a guy a day? Or no. think about, nope, nope, this is – pencil it's him in and he'll figure it's it out. It's a, it's a long season, a uh, long way to go, and this is Juan Soto. You handle different guys differently. If Trent Grisham – had not started the way he'd started coming off of last year. Maybe you'd be thinking, you know what? Maybe, but it, not Juan Soto for many reasons. Um, you, you, you don't, uh, but you know, Bob Melvin is a master at that. And so who knows what happens on the next trip, uh, a D you know, a DH day or whatever. Uh, I, uh, but I think that, look, he has had stretches like this before. We, it's a cliche. We all are paying far more attention at the beginning of the season to a guy's one for 14. Yeah, if a guy has a rough four-game stretch in mid-June, nobody notices, right? It's usually when, it's when the average fan is paying attention early in the season and late in the season, right? 
Well, we all, we all are too, because it's very easy to quantify right now too. I don't right. need an arbitrary start date to tell you when Juan Soto was one for 14. He's one for 14 this season. Um, so like I said, though, I think there's been six balls, uh, hit really hard. It's not like he's popping out like he was last year. Um, you know, he, you know, it'll happen and it'll happen in in a big way probably. And I'm not, I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. It's Juan Soto. There's a, there's a track record there. There's not so much of a track record in San Diego. I get it, but, uh, Mm -hmm. the world is bigger than San Diego. Not today. It's not, but other days it is. How comfortable do you think he looks in left field? Not good. Not good. Probably a good uh, thing. Thursday wrong. night. Thursday night. That was rough. The ball. The yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't a great right fielder. Um. So you know. Yeah. The, the ball comes off differently. Haven't talked to him about it yet. Again. You. You. Um. Much like Bob Melvin measuring when do you give an off day, a beat writer measures when is it worth it for me to go talk to Juan Soto about not being good in the outfield, and I've talked to him before about it. Um. But. Uh, you know, he messed up a ball on, as you said, on Thursday. Could have been even like a turning point, not a turning point, but yeah. a big moment in the game that could have said yeah. something or could have, could have, you know, said something about the, what the result might have been. Now the Padres didn't hit very well. Um, and there have been a couple other shaky ones where, you know, but he's made every play the last couple of days and, and he's in the lineup. I know this sounds funny now. He's in the lineup for his bat. <laughs> you got to play him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Here come the Arizona Diamondbacks. Padres will see Ryan Nelson tonight. They will see Zach Gallen on Tuesday. Yep. These are not uh, your father's 100 lost Diamondbacks on paper, I don't think. No, uh, no, they're starting, These are two fairly impressive starting pitchers. Uh, what do you anticipate uh, from the D-backs in the next couple of days? They could be your 85 loss uh, Diamondbacks because they're young. Um, right. And, and, you know, we're basing a lot on um, their what their pitching staff has has sort of done recently. But like Ryan Nelson, right? I think it was three starts last year. Now, one of them was his debut where he went seven shutout uh, and gave up. Was it was it two hits, one hit? Uh, to, uh, it was four, I think, to the to the Padres. And uh, the next start, by the way, six shutout against the Dodgers. Uh, I think it was one hit there. So, uh, and then, you know, they shut him down. He'd had a long season in the, in the minors, as I recall, it had been, and this will be a season debut. Uh, they've got a couple other really good pitchers. Look, Zach Gallen is, is a, is a really good pitcher uh, at times. Then there's times that he's completely touchable. Uh, they have young players like Corbin Carroll, who has three hits and three stolen bases so far. Also got what that ninety million dollar or whatever hundred and something million dollar contract uh, when he's played like thirty games. Uh, he is a dynamic player. They have a new uh, catcher. Is it Montero? Oh, let me yes. Yeah, uh, yes. that they got in the Varsho deal. Very highly of him. But I just mentioned two really young players, right? Um, and, and so they're going to be, they're a thorn in your side. They're a thorn in your side. Their coaches and their veterans are familiar with the Padres, right? And 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 that can familiarity can breed contempt in the turn in the, in the way that you know how did that pitcher how does he have success against that team? Well, he's seen those batters a lot of times, you know, right? And it should be true the other way too, right? But we're talking about the Padres who like you know are, are getting up for you know the playoffs, right? And you got the Diamondbacks who are coming in and and these these are their playoffs, and and I'm simplifying it too much, but I'm telling you that the Diamondbacks 
could very well be a thorn in your side. And what kind of stinks, the, to me, the only bad thing about playing the Diamondbacks six less times uh, because of the new schedule is that you might not run into um, Madison Bumgarner as much as you used to because that was always a good thing. So, uh, you know, it could be tough, the Diamondbacks this year. Uh, you know, we've learned you don't take playing the Rockies or the Diamondbacks for granted, uh, though the Padres did take care of business for the most part against the Diamondbacks last year. And look, they got a split to not have a losing homestand. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that's good. That's, that's not good. But, again, it's the first homestand. They do go on the road and play two of the other favorites in the National League. So, you know, I'm looking forward because I got to tell you, I got 40 emails during Monday's game. Now, it was only from seven people, seven angry people that, that, that uh, send multiple emails. I got more emails from more people on Tuesday. Not as many, or the second game. Not as many. Oh, as Friday, yeah, yeah. Okay, on Friday. I got zero emails during the two victories. It's always like a nice refresher for me of how this works. I forget in the offseason about the angry in-game emailers because I guess I'm going to get on the phone down to Bob Melvin. Uh, but but – Nah, whatever. Uh, my point being, uh, it could be, uh, brace yourself, right? Like, like maybe this offense explodes and the starting pitching and the bullpen, for that matter, continues to, to pitch really well. And the Padres, or the Padres could have a losing record when they come back to face the Brewers uh, next mm. week. So, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I will say this, by the way, if for our listeners, if you'd like to depress yourself, Look up the Padres record against the Diamondbacks in the last decade. I believe, Kevin, last year was the Padres' first season with a winning record against the Diamondbacks in years and years and years. That makes a lot of sense. But remember, uh, except for 2020, well, right. did they split maybe? Um, but you're, even then, there was there – was, I remember that the season was basically falling apart when they were in Arizona in yep. late August or uh, – September. Yeah. So, or 2020, okay. And the Padres stunk for a long time. And then in 2021, a lot of the big bad drama happened in Arizona. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, look, the last two years they've had a losing record against the Rockies, uh, and they had to win the last two to, to sweep uh, or to, to split with the Rockies. Uh, this division is 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 no joke in part because of Colorado when you when you got to go play there, and the Diamondbacks. I think their manager is really good. I think their coaches are really good, and 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 generally, and I think it's true this year. They're they're plucky. They they play a a, band, a brand of baseball that presses you. I think that these. I'm interested to see what the Diamondbacks are over the next uh, couple of days. Sure, Kevin. Can we talk about two off field things real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Number one, four games with the pitch clock. Observations. First off, awesome. Uh, really, really. Also, a little rushed. I don't know what you do about that. We we have this conversation like a lot around the ballpark the last few days, and it it there's all sorts of ways to maybe slow it down a little bit, but then you run into the thing of players are going to exploit that. And suddenly we're back up to three hours and 10 minutes. So uh, right now, this is what we got and it's the best thing going. And it's absolutely fantastic. Buy your beers sooner and enjoy the action and enjoy that there is less inaction because it's awesome. From my perspective, it's a lot harder to cover. 
Now, deadline is what everybody was pointing to. Like, oh, you're going to make more deadlines for the print product. Absolutely. There's not any time to gather your notes or to write during the game because it's just boom, boom. Uh, And I'm not complaining. It's just like it sort of hit me like, wow, these games move fast. And it's not. um, I've I've seen people and heard people talk about how the the length of game isn't going to, you know, suddenly win fans. It's not the length of games. It's what the pitch clock is forcing the it's forcing the action within games. Right, right, right. And by the way, the shot clock in basketball was certainly a good idea, right? I mean, I'm old I, I to know. remember when you in college, you know, uh, North Carolina taking like two shots in 20 minutes. Right, right. I mean, there's something to be said. And again, I know don't come at me, traditionalists. I'm I am more of a baseball traditionalist than you would think, but like. In person, Kevin, I found it to be a much more enjoyable experience. Oh, it, it's it's no. it, it really is. I don't see complaining. I do from from the perspective of people watching it. I do see complaining, and I understand it from people who've played this game for a long time and played it a certain way, reached this high level where the stakes are super high a certain way, and now it is radically changed. I understand that, and I applaud guys for you know, doing the best they can at it as in, Hey, these are the rules. I got to, you know, I got to immediately, but it's bothering Juan Soto. It's bothering Xander Bogarts. Now one of them it's showing and the other it's not, Um, but you know, uh, some pitchers uh, it's bothering, but like they got to deal with it. Cause, uh, cause this, this ain't going away. Cause it's, it's really, really got, it's working. Yeah, it is. It is late Friday night. The, the word came out that the Padres had signed Jake Cronenworth to an extension. You were, were able to get some details out of it. A, sketch out what this extension looks like. And B, what, what was the motivation behind it? Seven years, $80 million, begin next year, gets $2 million signing bonus. Uh, to me, I'll start with, I think it makes even more sense for Jake Cronenworth, as I've written that, that it's it's one of those that works for both because it gives it some cost certainty, the Padres. But I really think it works for Jay Cronenworth. And, I mean, just go back to listen to the archives of this show. Go back and read. I'm a huge Jay Cronenworth guy. I watch him every day. I know his value. I can argue with you that even though the OPS is this and the average is this, what his value to the Padres is. But he's a, one of those players that the team that he has knows his value. He was going to be a free agent at 32 years old. And I don't know, even with the skyrocketing salaries, I don't know what deal he gets at 32 years old. So I think this right. deal really made a, a lot of sense to him um, because it's also hard to argue that a man who just guaranteed himself $80 million over the next, over the next seven years, you know, I mean, there, there's certain uh, cost certainty for him too. Right. So, but uh, did he maybe cost himself some money? Sure. But, I don't know that he really did. So it's one of those team-friendly deals that I think worked out for the player too. But then in no way do you say, oh, what were the Padres doing? I mean, uh, understand what salaries are. And they're going to, at the height of this contract, be paying him $12 million a year for five years. Um, Jake Cronenworth busts his butt, has developed into a leader, will continue to develop into one, to more of one. 
One year he could be their primary first baseman and the next year their primary second first baseman. Or in June play first base and in uh, you know September be their second baseman or their shortstop. Or on Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. That's the guy that, that, they, that they got and that they just got at a middling contract. For, for whatever you want to complain about, old timers, and I'm getting there uh, as an old timer, the reality is the reality. And 12 mil ain't that much. In, in, two, in 2029, it's just not. Right, because if these contracts continue to climb, you're right. What's the average starting infielder's salary going to be in 2026 through 2029? That yeah. more? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. he is a valuable, He's- valuable player. It's, it's remarkable what he gets out of those stats. He rings every bit like he's the player who was made for the new metrics that actually measure it all together and and okay so how many times does he get on base and then per time he gets on base how many times does he end up scoring how many times does he take extra base uh how many runs does he save defensively what's his versatility jake cronenworth is a fantastic player the more i talk now i'm deciding he's undervalued no i i just i think this was a really good contract for uh, for, for both sides uh look also <laughs> Seven years, $80 million. You understand he's making less than Will Myers got in 2017. So, you know, whatever your threshold is, which is Manny Machado making five times as much or, uh, you know, uh, Will Myers, whatever your uh, relative comparison is, it's a good contract. The most interesting thing I read, Kevin, in your story about Cronenworth, maybe how happy Manny Machado was for him. You know Manny better than anybody in the media. This isn't somebody who is this effusive about just anybody. He loves him some Jake Cronenworth. Is it just because of the work ethic? What's the reason there? Everybody does, and it's something that you started to realize in 2020 that right away. um, See, this guy came in, and everybody, A.J. Preller can talk about it now. He wasn't a throw-in. Yes, he was. That doesn't mean you didn't like him, okay? But but and you didn't think, hey, cool, we're getting a real versatile guy. Maybe he can even pitch for us. He was a throw-in on the Tommy Fran deal, Tommy Fan deal. Um, but he comes into camp, and I mean, and I always say this: if I notice how good a guy is in in two days, then he's really good. All right, because not a scout, not a coach. Talk to a lot of them. Jay Cronenworth impressed everybody right away, and he was playing first, and playing second, and playing shortstop. And at that time, I think he took some reps at third. And the players, look at game, knows game. These guys saw he might not be, might not wake up like Manny Machado and be the most talented guy, right? But he's a really good player and he busts his butt and right from the start. And then he's a really fun guy. He's an earnest guy. I used to have a, a kid on our team in high school. His name was Niles Pierce. And, and man, Niles was a dork. He probably owns Google now. I don't know. But, uh, but, but everybody loved Niles, partly because he was a, such a nerd and he loved it. Like, I remember one time I used the word harass and he said, it's Harris, Kevin. And I just thought that was the greatest thing in the world that he did that. That's Jake Cronenworth. I, sorry, Jake. But like Jake graduated from college. Jake loves Jake probably knows what like half three quarters of the guys got in arbitration this year. Not because he's not like any selfish reasons because it fascinates him. And then why did he get it? 
Jake Cronenworth one time saw his war. I can't remember if it was go down or up his F war on fan graphs. He got in touch with fan graphs to find out why not because he was upset. Right. But because Jake Cronenworth's brain works that way. You'll be talking with Jake Cronenworth. Some will be on TV and all of a sudden he'll start answering like it's jeopardy and he'll start answering the questions and then he'll involve you in it. He's not being rude. He's like, you know, Hey, you remember this? And, and Jake Cronenworth is, just a, a easy, easy guy to like, just like Niles Pierce. And you get to cover him now for another X number of years. That's, that's I think pretty I'm cool. Older in this. Is our next episode? Can our next episode be Fallbrook High baseball talk? <laughs> I want to know this stuff. So you played in high school, though. Uh, you know, I, I I did until I found out I sucked, uh, and 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 I was a decent tennis player. So uh, I I moved over there. Um, not nearly as decent as I thought. Not as good as I am as pickleball now. <laughs> I totally can I make well, hey, pickleball team now. I, th- I think you should. I've been watching some pickleball on TV out here in Houston because that's what you do when you're in Houston in a hotel room. It's so, not a good TV uh, sport. It's not a good TV sport. Nah, it's not. It's not. We're coming up on the 30-minute mark here, Kevin. I know that you've got a baseball game to get to, and I've got a basketball game to get to. Let's do this again later this week when they take on the Braves. How about that? Right on. I'll see you uh, from Atlanta. Enjoy. Enjoy the atmosphere of the scene tonight. Uh, and, uh, man, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm going to miss it. This will be the first non-sellout uh, for two reasons. It's the Diamondbacks. Well, three. It's a Monday. And I think that uh, a good portion of San Diego will be in front of their t- a TV set somewhere. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. See you next time.